Let's give our mothers a hand. Amen. I was thinking about that this week, and, and uh, we are living in a generation where the majority of people have a two-income home. So you add all of this to a mother's plate, and then you add the job. <laughs> Cleaning house, doing laundry. I mean, it's just overwhelming sometimes, isn't it? Just unbelievable. And uh, as your pastor, I want... I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I want you to be overflowing in life. And, uh, but it is difficult. And so I'm going I'm to talk a little bit about overflowing, how to have an overflowing life. But before we do that, is there any cheerleader? Is, we have a cheerleader here? Come up here. Come on. Come up here. All right. Let's have, a, let's have some, one more light in here, David. Can we get some more light in here, Jeremiah? And up here with me. How are you? Great. Yeah. All right. Um, I want you to lead everybody in a cheer. Okay. Okay. Let's all let's all stand. All right. Let's let's all get get in on this. Uh, let's see. How does that? How does it go? Happy Mother's Day. You are the B E S T best. What do you think? Does that sound good? Now, I'm going to videotape you as you're doing that. And we're going to show it to your mother. And so you're saying Happy Mother's Day to your mom. What do you think? You like that? So then we'll put it on Facebook. So make sure you stand out. I'm kidding. I won't put it on Facebook. That does sound good, though, doesn't it? You think you do that? Happy Mother's Day. You are the... Yeah, as you can spell. Amen. And then holler best. Now, go ahead. Practice it. Don't do anything yet. Go ahead. <laughs> it's exciting, right? Yep. Amen. All right. See if I can run this. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Go. All right. That was lame. She did a great job. You guys did not do it. Look, can we do that again? Do you think we need to do it again? Because there's no excitement in here. How many really love their mothers? Yeah. Okay, show it in this video. All right? Let's do it again. Ready? Go. Happy Mother's Day. You are the B-E-S-T best. All right, give her a hand. She did a great job, didn't she? All right. I'll send that to my mom, too. Say, here's your Happy Mother's Day. On a serious note, Mothers really have a hard time sometimes. It's difficult when you think about their kids that they're taking care of, especially young mothers taking care of their kids, going to work, doing all the whole household chores, and then adding to it an adult child. Can I hear an amen? amen. I mean, just add that adult child just sometimes make it, makes it more difficult. All right. I had a phone call this last, actually about a week ago, um, from a young mother in a church, and she just, she's saying, Pastor, how come it is I, I take one step forward and I take two back? And she wanted to know how to really have this deep relationship with the Lord where her life is overflowing. Not that it's going to be perfect, but 
just how to overflow. So this message is kind of born out of that conversation. And so I want to talk about how to have an overflowing life. How to go from over craziness, over stress, over worried, overwhelmed, to overflowing. Now, this is a Mother's Day message. It's very positive, but it's for all of us. Okay, it may seem negative at times, but it's not. It's meant for us to be able to have this overflowing life that we're going to find out from Jesus's word is, is for our taking. All right, so um, let me just read you an article that I found in the Time magazine. All right, how many have heard of the word FOMO? Kind of a new word. Anybody? Okay. Uh, in the last days, about the last few years, um, this word was added to the Oxford English Dictionary in 2013. Now listen to this. What does it mean? The article goes on. It's a, they did a, a study, and the definition is this. The uneasy and sometimes all-consuming feeling that you're missing out. That you're, you're missing out that your peers are doing in the know or in possession of more or something better than you. Under this framing, the article says, the, the FOMO, nearly three quarters of young adults reported that they have experienced this phenomenon. It's certainly not a good thing, the article says, and it leads you to check social media again and again and again so that you don't feel out of the loop. You ever felt that way? You got to get on there to see if you feel you're out of the loop or that you're doing okay, as the, as the article says, so that you don't feel left out. The article goes on at the very end. It says, sometimes that alleviates anxiety but more than often, it doesn't. Either way, it says, it drives you to keep running around the digital hamster wheel to keep or to feel okay with yourself. Isn't that a crazy? A brand new word because it has to do with social media. And we, we go to social media to, to make sure we're not missing out and to help us feel better about ourselves. We always like to keep up with the Joneses, right? We want to keep up with everybody. And so what happens is, mothers, we feel, we feel, we overbook our calendars. We feel uh, like our money is running out. We overdo our credits. We, we overload our emotions. We overbook our bodies, our overwork our bodies. We, we crowd our days in, in awe because we're, we overvalue people's opinions in our lives, and so what I want to do just for the next few moments, because I really want you to have this overflowing, I want to talk about three things, three simple things, and we're going to let you out early this morning, okay? You like that? So you can enjoy your families. Three things I'm going to give you, right? Take your notes out, write these down. Number one, how to have this overflowing life. Number one, having the right approach to life. Having the right approach to life, the right view of life. Now there's two fundamentally different approaches to life. One is the shortage mentality, the shortage approach to life. And then the other is the surplus approach to life. Half, the cup is half empty, the cup is half full. All right, so let's look at the shortage mindset. And this is what it means. I never have enough 
and I never will. I never have enough, and I never will. Well, that kind of thinking definitely leaves us overwhelmed. All right? It causes us to feel that we never have enough energy, we don't have enough context, enough opportunities, we never have enough education, or whatever you're thinking, you just don't have enough. And it leaves you overwhelmed and overstressed because you have to get more. Give you an example of this in Second Kings. Look at the screen here, or write it down and look it up later. Second Kings four forty-two through forty-four says this. This is an illustration of this idea, and I think a lot of us buy into this shortage mentality and not biblical mentality. And so, what happens is we are overstressed and overwhelmed. The example is Elijah. Elijah and his his servant Gehazi. Hopefully, I said it right are in Israel, and there's this famine going on. And some man brings Elijah 20 loaves of bread and a sack of grain. And Elijah says, go feed the people. Now notice in verse 43, Gehazi's response. What? Is his servants exclaimed, feed a hundred people with only this? Can, can you feel the, the, the anxiety? What? You're kidding me. I'm going to feed all these people with just 20 loaves of bread. What was he thinking? He was on the shortage end of his thinking. He was, he, there's no way that we can feed 20 people. But notice, it, Elijah said, repeated, give to the people, verse 44, so they can eat. For this is what the Lord has said. Everyone will eat and there will be some left over. All right, so Elijah believed. What, what if Elijah wasn't there? They would have never taken the bread out there, and so people wouldn't have been fed, and they wouldn't have experienced, listen, the power of the living God. Everybody see that? Well, there's no sense in doing this because nothing's, nothing's going to happen, and so you're, just, you're not experiencing God's power in your life. You're not seeing God work because you're limited in your vision, you're limited in your thinking that there's just not enough. It's a shortage mentality. And the result is we feel overwhelmed. We, we had this thinking. We don't even realize it. We think life is a piece. It's, it's a pie. Life is a pie, like a pie. And if somebody cuts a bigger piece of the pie, we get resentful. Why? Because there's not enough left for me. Everybody, everybody with me? And so you get, you get resentful, you get upset, and it leads to this overwhelming life. Envy, jealousy, worry, and definitely insecurity. Just because of that, that mentality, I don't have enough. Rather than the surplus mentality. The surplus mentality is simply this. <clears throat> God doesn't only have one pie. He is a pie factory. And if he's short, if something happens, he just creates more factories. Now, this is the supply mentality. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. This is looking from the scripture viewpoint. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, well, let's, let's go there. We don't have it on, on there? All right, I'll get it here in just a second. 
It says, and the same God who takes care of me, now listen to this, will supply all your needs. Now watch this, from his glorious riches. So all your needs come from, from where? From his bountiful riches. So all your supply, will, will, he will supply. That's a different mentality, all right? And so that leads us to, to have faith and not to worry and to look at the unlimited resource of God. It's a totally different mindset. Now I want to look at a couple of scriptures here as we go through this. Uh, <clears throat> go to uh, uh, Psalms 23. Let's go to Psalms 23 as we think about this. Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Now, this is, this is something we use at funerals a lot. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. See the different mindset? When we look to God and say, God, you are my shepherd, I have all that I need. Now look at verse 5. So David is thinking this. Rather than a shortage mindset, he says, I have all I need. Then he says, you prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, there's that word, overflows with blessing. Because David has surrendered to the Father as his shepherd and looks to him as his provider and his leader, he has this surplus mentality. You see it? Not only do I have all I need, I have more than I need. Everybody see that different mentality? So he's not overwhelmed, overstressed, and over anxious. He's literally surrendered to the Father. Now that's just not all. Go Go to the next verse. I actually don't think I put it up there. I want to to read uh, Psalms 23 and verse 6. Write that verse down because it's really, really powerful as you think about your father and your God and this surplus mentality. Verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Okay, so... The mentality is that God, not only do I have everything I need, I have more than I need. Not just that. You pursue me. The word hunt me down. Everybody say that. You hunt me down all the days of my life. Why? To pour out your goodness and your unfailing love. In other words, we can't escape. When, when we surrender to the Lord as our shepherd, we have all we need and we have more than we need, and he chases us down to make sure the rest of your life, his goodness is poured out on you and his love. It's just a matter of, do I surrender and look to him as my shepherd? That's the context there. Everybody says, it's fantastic. So now as a mother, I don't have to be stressed and worried that I'm going to be shortage because I have this God that's chasing me down. I have more than enough. Ah, hallelujah. And I have, you know, I have only, I have more than enough and he's chasing me down to give me more. Now that's those who believe in the Lord as their shepherd and specifically believe in the scriptures. It's fantastic. Let's go to John chapter 7. Open your Bibles if you will. John chapter 7. 
Because we have to ask the question, what is the cup? He says, my cup overflows. In John chapter 7, the very end of this, verse 37, the last day of the feast, uh, Jesus cried out with a loud voice to the crowd. He said, if anyone thirsty, come unto me. Verse 38. And anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Now notice this. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Here we have that overflowing again. Okay? You and me, if we understand that the cup is our life. And as we surrender to the Lord, not only do we have this overflowingness coming from God, but also a river of living water coming from us. So our hearts are overflowing to them that, notice the scripture says, believes. The word believe means to rely on, to trust in. It's not just a head knowledge. It's actually looking to the Lord as your shepherd and trusting in him. That's when we have the overflowing life. Well, what is an overflowing life? It's filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness. Say it again. To be filled beyond capacity with an endless supply of God's goodness. And he already told us he's going to chase us down and pour all that in. So the cup is a, is a cup of joy. It's a cup of hope. It's a cup of blessing. All of God's goodness is poured out upon us. What's the condition? Simply, here's the first thought, okay? Surrendering and allowing him to be your shepherd. That's the surplus mentality. My shepherd's going to lead me beside the still water. He's going to be here with me. And he prepares a table in the presence of my enemy. And I have enough, more than enough, and he chases me down every single day. So you can be looking for those blessings. You can be looking for that love to be poured out. on. This is biblical truth. We've got to pull our mind away from the world. We've got to pull our mind the way that everybody else thinks and think scripturally. And that will help us to have an overflowing life. Understand, I have all that I need. I have more than I need. And I have a God that chases me down. So the first thought, number one, just surrender. One overflowing life, surrender to the mentality, the surplus, my God. Number two, stay connected to the Lord. Stay connected to the Lord Jesus Christ every single day. What do I mean by that? Open your Bibles. Let's go back a few, a few chapters. Chapter 15. Okay, John chapter 15. G, now, we have some fruit up here to demonstrate this. Okay. Look, it says in verse 5. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in you will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it mean when he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you? What does he mean by that? He's talking about connection. Where you and the Lord have this connection every single day. The world doesn't understand it. But as you and me opening the book every day, reading a chapter, maybe two chapters, and then grabbing a couple of verses and then meditating on it. Asking yourself the question, what does this mean? 
What is this saying? How does it apply to me? And before you know it, as you, listen very carefully, as you meditate on it, the scriptures come alive. What do you say? Well, I don't know how to meditate. Well, do you know how to worry? How many here know how to worry? <laughs> it's just, you go over and over and over in your mind. You just can't get it out. Remember when you go to bed and you, you just can't go to sleep because you're worrying? Or you get up at three in the morning because you're worrying? That's what it means to meditate. You're just going over and over and over the same thing. That's what meditation is. So you get your three by five card. And I used to do three by five cards. Now I just take a snapshot with my phone. Or I pull the Bible right up on my phone. And I'm looking at a couple of verses, and I'm asking the question, what does it mean? Now, I just want to get us from overwhelmed to overflowing. Because when God speaks to you from the book, man, all of a sudden, you get excited. God is involved in your life, and he's speaking to you. Okay, now, let's just take verse 5, okay? Let's try this. What is verse verse 5 saying? Well, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, those that remain in me, and I knew that Okay, those that are connected with me, those that are memorizing, meditating on a couple of verses or a couple of thoughts of the scripture, notice what happens. Will produce much fruit. Okay, much fruit. What in the world's fruit? Well, the Bible talks about several fruits, but the number one fruit that it seems to be talking about here is the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, and discipline. Okay, Lord, man, is that fruit being produced in me? <laughs> am I a loving person or am I a cranky person? Okay, you, you see how the scripture comes alive? Uh, uh, do, am I gentle or am I harsh? Am I mean? Am I forward? Am I patient? Because then you can, because you, it says, those that are connected with Jesus, this is the fruit they produce. So if you're not connected and you don't have the evidence of that fruit, guess what? You're not connected. Okay? This, we want peace, joy, gentleness, goodness, uh, faith, temperance. We want this patience. We want our life to mirror the Lord Jesus Christ's life. And the only way it is going to happen is if we are connected. Every single day. So obviously, if you're not connected, you don't have that fruit. Then he goes on. He says, um, without me, you can do nothing. It's like a toaster. A toaster is designed to make toast. If it's not plugged in a power source, guess what's going to happen? It's going to come out the same way. Bread. A microwave the same way. It's got to be plugged into the power to be able to fully do what it was created to do. You and I, until we're plugged into the source, we're not really doing what God created us to do. We don't have the power to love unconditionally. We don't have the power to be gentle. We don't have the power to be patient. We just don't have that power until we're plugged into the power of God, which is Jesus Christ. Stay connected. Well, let's, let's keep on going. So a result of this is much fruit. Okay, right here. Isn't that beautiful? And then he goes on, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown uh, like a branch, like an unuseless branch in whether such branches are gathered and and burned. So I I got here an example. When, it's kind of a big banana, isn't it? But it's really not a banana. Okay. Can somebody... 
come up here and demonstrate and eat this for us? No, I don't want to. I'm just kidding. When you're, when you're not connected, what happens is you start looking like that, all right? You, you, you start rottening. You start dying, okay? You pull away from the vine. That's the result. This, this, this is what you look like spiritually when you're not connected to the vine, okay? Let's go on. Anyone who does not remain in me, okay, verse uh, 7, but if you remain in me and, and my words remain in you, again, if you connect, if you have that connection with me on a daily basis, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. I like the fruit part, but I really like that. I really like the fact that God gives me a blank check when I'm connected with him, when I'm meditating on his principles, and I'm thinking about him, God gives me a blank check and says, here you go, whatever you want. And it will be, what did it say? Granted. No questions. It will be granted. So here we have, look at, look at these blessings we have when we're connected. Now, I don't know about you, but if God gave me a blank check, I wouldn't be overwhelmed. Would you? I wouldn't be overstressed. Would you? Ha, I wouldn't be overanxious. But he does. That's the point. If we stay, what? Connected. Okay, so we have that blank check. Then he goes on. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. What does that mean? It just simply means you are my followers. True, genuine followers. This brings great glory to my Father. Man, there's some good stuff in there. What's that? Begin to meditate on. So, so... I'm literally following the Lord. And because I'm following him, producing this fruit, I'm literally bringing great glory to the Father. I'm magnifying the Father. I'm bragging about the Father. I'm literally bringing joy to the heart of the living God. Now listen, this isn't my words. This is the book. We all want to do that, right? Do we all not want to bring the Father glory? Wouldn't you like to see the Father just smile? Well, the Father says this. When he looked down at Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When, when Jesus said that, or God the Father said that about Jesus, and we're connected with him, what do you think he's saying about you? It's the exact same thing. The, the bottom line is we have to take this book for what it says, not what some preachers. This is what we do. No, no kidding. We are a society of books. Since I moved here from Nebraska, I have a storage unit, tubs of commentaries, books. I mean, probably 20 to 25 of those. I haven't cracked them once. I've been here three years preaching, three years. They were always on my shelf. It made me look nice, didn't it? What we do is we go to those commentaries and we read, we read, we read, we read about the book. But we don't read the book. So we don't, the Bible says about the Word of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful. Not Fleener's book. Not Fleener's ideas. Not Fleener's thoughts about that verse. It is, here is the power. Everybody, everybody feeling me? There's nothing wrong with reading books. I'm not saying we need to read books. We need to read commentaries, get others' ideas. But the point is, this is where it's at. So when we're connected, that is where the power this word is the sword of the Spirit. I'm running out of time. Okay, number three, all right? 
This is good stuff. Anybody, anybody agree with that? All right. Basically, I'm just trying to help you to go from that overwhelm to overflowing. The life that is full, God's goodness is poured out. He, you believe that and you're surrendering to him so that you can have all of that. Okay, number three. Maintaining a grateful spirit. We're living in a generation to be a smart aleck is fun, right? To be, I mean, the sitcoms are fantastic, right? And we laugh and they're the most popular show. What's the one about the planet now? Big Bang Theory. Okay, that's so popular. How many like the Big Bang Theory? I mean, it's just hilarious. My son's watching and I walk through and I say, yeah, it's funny. Okay. But what happens is we buy into that and that becomes our personality where we're smarting off to people all the time. We're putting people down. And so what that does is it robs us of that grateful attitude and that grateful spirit. I'm just going to read three verses and we'll just jump into this real quick, okay? In Philippians chapter 4 or chapter 2 verse 14 says this. Do everything. Again, we're looking at the Bible. Do some things. This is not Fleener's words. What's that second word there? Say it with me. Everything. One person said it with me. Here we go. Ready? Say everything with me. Everything. Without complaining or murmuring, complaining, or arguing, disputing. Oh, we love to argue, don't we? We love to debate. What's the scripture say? We have to get a, get a grasp on this. Do everything without murmuring and complaining or complaining and arguing. Okay, why? We're going to get to that in a minute. Number, let's go to the second verse. Uh, Colossians 2, 7. Let your lives or let your root grow down into him. Let me just read this, this translation. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all God has done. All right, Second, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for it, is God, for it is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. All right, so real quickly, and we're just about ready to close here. When you complain, write these five thoughts down. This is what happens when you complain. And then look at the flip, flip side of this, because even though I'm coming across negative here, you flip it around and there's a positive side. This is what happens when we complain. Number one, we complain against God. Number one, when we complain, we complain against God. You complain about your circumstances and your events. What we're doing is we're complaining. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for what? Good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. So we know that everything that happens in our life is either allowed by God or caused by God. Every single thing. So when we complain about that, we're complaining actually directly against him. It was a bad circumstance. Well, God allowed it for a reason. He, we believe that nothing touches your life first that doesn't have the fingerprints of God on it first. Why? Because I am a child of the living God. You're not a child. You don't have that. You don't have that promise from the word of God. So number one, when we complain, we complain against God. Number two, We give the lost world reason to criticize. The world looks at us and they know we're supposed to be different. And when we're not, 
write this verse down. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. When we are not that way, the world, we're giving them reason to criticize. Okay? Look what it says. So that no one can criticize you. Specific, talking about doing all things in verse 14, so that no one will criticize you. But when we're complaining and remembering the lost world sits back and man, they complain. I thought you were a child of God. I thought this was above you. Now, don't be wrong. That's when we need to confess and tell them, hey, we were wrong. Number three, when we, when we, when we complain, we dim the light that is within us. In Ephesians, it talks about quenching the spirit of the living God. It's talking about putting out the light. Within us is the spirit of the living God. Do you not think that the spirit who lives within me wants to touch lives around you? I mean, God lives in me. He ought not to be limited by my actions and my words, but he is. We quench the fire. I want the spirit of God to reach out to everyone around me and touch them for him. Amen. Do you? Of course you do. We all want to influence people. The way you do it is you get out of the way. And you're not nagging. You're not complaining. And you're not this argumentative person all the time. Because that dims the light. It dims the light. Number four. It will keep us from the promised land. (laughs) I just do that one. Think about the Old Testament Jews. We all know that. They're wandering the wilderness 40 years. The one reason they didn't get to go into the promised land is because murmuring and complaining. Griping. They didn't get to go into the promised land. The promised land isn't a picture of salvation. It's a picture of the abundant life, the life that's overflowing. Do you want a life that's overflowing? Let's not gripe. The positive, we can have the overflowing life. We can have the abundant life that God wants us to have. We just stop our complaining and murmuring. And last of all, Proverbs 21, 23. Write that verse down. It keeps us out of trouble. Okay? When there's a lot of words and there's a lot of griping, and it's, and it, it, it's the way the world is that we live in. And so it's hard not to get caught up in it. It's hard because everybody's doing it. And you don't want to be this Pollyanna, right? We don't want to be the Pollyanna. We just want to be a person that God can use. Not that it's all positive. It's just when you look at your life, you have plenty. You have more than enough. And you have a God that chases you down to pour out his goodness and to pour out his love on you. When you surrender to him as a sheep to a shepherd. And a continuation. And then you have this overflowing life when you stay connected on a daily basis. I mean, it's fantastic. And then you also have this overflowing life when you are not negative, but positive. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us not to dwell on the negative, but to dwell on these things and list eight positive things. Fantastic. But again, that's not the way of the world. That's the way of the enemy. To keep us preoccupied with other people so that we keep our eyes off of him, who who is the one that brings us true, genuine joy, true, genuine happiness.
So simple, three things. Just so simple. Surrender to the shepherd. Stay connected on a daily basis. And every time you're tempted to gripe and complain, remember that verse, do everything without complaining and arguing. It's simple, but it's a choice. It's a choice, which means it takes work. Okay? And for crying out loud, you mothers already work too hard. You're already overwhelmed with so many responsibilities. Men, pick up the pace. Can I hear an amen, women? But still, you don't want to do that in your own strength. Amen? You need the Lord. You need Him. And so surrender to Him as your shepherd. Stay connected on a daily basis. Let's all stand this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Now I'm going to pray for you mothers this morning. And I want to ask God to help you, specifically help you to apply these three things. Because it's difficult. Especially in the world that we live in. Now, listen, this message is designed to help. So take it that way. We try to preach things that are from the book, that are relevant. And I'm telling you, this is life-changing stuff. Life-changing. Get in the book. Be tapped into the power. Plug in. Be connected. A couple of verses every day. Meditate. I'm telling you, it'll revolutionize your life. There'll be power and strength and overflowing with fruit. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. Maybe you're a mother here and you just say, Brother Tim, would you pray for me? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Just lift up your hand and say, Brother Tim, pray for me. I'm a mother and I sometimes feel overwhelmed. Would you pray for me? I will if you let me. Just lift it up, hold it up real quick. Hold it up. Amen. All over the place. Amen. All right, let's just go to the Lord. Father, we just come to you this morning in the name of your Son. Oh, God, how we love you. We thank you for reaching down into our lives and sparing us from shipwreck, giving us a purpose. We just thank you for salvation. Father, we thank you for all these mothers as well, and we pray specifically for them today that, Father, that you would lay your hand on them and you would help them to apply this message that they would surrender to you so they could have that surplus mentality knowing that because they're surrendered, you've got blessings that are coming. Father, help them to stay connected, commit to that. And Father, I pray that you would bless them, overflowing with joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, patience. Father, bless them in every aspect of their lives. And Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We have some more gifts to give away. And also, uh, if you'd like, ushers come at this time. If you'd like this banana, just see me afterwards, and it's yours, all right? Amen. Yeah, get in, get in line for the banana, or whatever that thing is. <laughs>